You're listening to the Girls in Work podcast, the show that brings you interviews and advice for career women everywhere. This is Girls in Work. Find us at girlsinwork.com. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's instalment of the Girls in Work podcast. In today's episode, we're chatting to the wonderful Sophie, who is the Deputy Lifestyle Editor for The Independent. We find out about Sophie's career journey so far, where her love for journalism started and how she got into the industry. Sophie also shares her advice on finding your ideal career path and that it's never too late to figure out what that is. So don't ever let that put you off. If you want to try something new in your career, you should absolutely go for it. Plus, if you're also looking to develop a career in journalism, we talk through Sophie's advice and top tips. And as well as all of this, Sophie has also set up a lot of brilliant campaign work around cyber flashing, which we discuss a bit more in depth, understanding exactly what it is and what Sophie is doing to raise awareness. It's such a great episode so we really hope you enjoy it. Okay so Sophie I am so excited to chat with you today because this might sound weird but I've followed you on Twitter for years and so I know you've had Aww. some. <laughs> I know you've had such a because you god I won't put this in but you used to have a blog didn't you at some point. I did you know you look so familiar do I do we have we met? <laughs> You actually do really familiar. I thought that when we came on here, I thought, my God, have we met? And then I felt really rude for not knowing if we had. Have we? I don't know. All I know is I definitely followed you. Yeah, I used to have... it was sophierosie.com and but it has it's had a couple of reiterations before that yeah i know who you are <laughs> <laughs> maybe i will leave this in <laughs> blogging gals from yeah. way back when yeah. yes so yours was one of the blogs i used to read like every like sunday or saturday morning with a cup of coffee oh. back oh. in like the og blogging days anyway so i do I know you've had such a wonderful career already, but do you want to just give us a little bit of an overview um, for those of you who don't know, like who you are, what you do and what your career journey has been like so far? Um, oh, that was, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really touched by that. Um, so, so if I go backwards, it might be a little bit more helpful. Hey, so now I'm the Deputy Lifestyle Editor of The Independent, um, which essentially involves like running a team of reporters, editing, writing, commissioning, that sort of thing. Prior to this, I worked at HuffPost as a, um, as a journalist. There I was doing a bit more writing and also ran this campaign on cyber flashing, which... Um, you know we'll probably talk about a little bit later on I've also done a bit of work with the BBC kind of radio and broadcast stuff mainly around technology and sexual harassment prior to that I did a little bit of work in print so worked at Time Inc which uh, they kind of you know they, they're a big brand for lots of who people don't work in journalism they own lots of magazines Marie Claire um, InStyle well not anymore but they did own InStyle so I kind of worked there for a bit as well um and then I worked when after I graduated from university, um, which is about ten years ago now. Ugh, I worked abroad for a couple of years. That was not in journalism, um, but that was a really great experience as well. And then came back and kind of started working my way up to where I am now. Where abroad did you work? So I lived in Puerto Rico, which is in the Caribbean. It's like part of um, it's an American territory, like um, like Gibraltar is mm-hmm. for the UK. Um, so I lived there for a year and a bit, and I also lived in Milwaukee in Chicago, which was like a complete opposite in terms of culture people weather, weather. everything um, yeah, weather, um, 
minus 25 it was horrible so yeah so I I graduated in uh, 2012 so yeah 10 years ago um and then did that for a bit and I think this is uh, maybe you'll ask me this later but I'm going to go off on a bit of tangent now I did not know what I wanted to do when I left university and I think that's so important for people who are like slightly younger than than us than me because I think so often you know you have people at school who know what they want to do you have people at university who know what they want to do you have people throughout who also you know everyone seems to kind of be on the track for what they're going to do and I think especially in something like journalism you you meet a lot of people who you know they might have like edited the paper when they were at school or or whatever and and they're like oh I've known since I was a kid that I'm going to be a journalist and I think that was actually something that really almost deterred me when I graduated because I thought my god no I haven't got you know why would they want me when there are so many people who've got all this experience from years bygone and so that's just one thing I didn't know that I wanted to be a journalist when I graduated Mm -hmm. and have like gradually got here over the years so yeah that's just something to say I think because I think lots of people you know like it's a one of those industries that's like obviously it is incredibly hard to get into and I think I had a couple of people men not women say to me like oh I wouldn't bother if I were you like you know it's really tough industry to get into and I think there is a bit of a perception of that isn't there like if you haven't done it by the time you're 20 or 21 then like give up man because there's no point yeah no I really relate to that I never had a clue what I wanted to do when I was going through school and I told the story a few times but both of my best friends really did one wanted to be a nurse and mm. one wanted to be a math teacher and I was like, I don't know, I want to be a dancer. Like, I was still in, like, <laughs> my little childhood dreams of, like, I've got no idea. And then I fell into accountancy yeah. and now I'm in radio. And it's like, you, you don't have to have that set path. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and working it out can be, like, my God, it's such a mum thing to say. But, like, working it out is really important, mm-hmm. you know, and the skills you learn along the way. Like, it's not wasted. Okay. Um, you know, I, the jobs I did before this, like, I did a few rogue things along the way. But, like, it's that's important in terms of working out, like, what you're good at and what you actually really like and our careers are going to be so long and our working life is going to be so long that mm-hmm. like you know I wish you know to other people who are kind of like starting out like don't be deterred if you know you're a little bit older than your peers and think oh god I haven't made my mind up by now like well yeah. you know you might sort of just write that whole industry off or whatever yeah and also if you're if you get through your halfway through your career and think actually I want to do something else like you can just mm-hmm. pivot you can make that career change it's never going to be too late for you to yeah do it if you think it's going to make you happy and it's what you want to do exactly exactly yeah this is again going on a bit of a tangent but just kind of drawing on that what sort of kept you going so I know obviously you said that it deterred you quite a lot but a lot of us have obviously been in that situation where we're not sure which way to go and it can feel quite intimidating going a particular industry if you haven't been working towards that since day one so what really motivated you to to go for it still what really made that's a really good question you know because I think even when so I, I I left university and I kind of knew I was good at I did a degree in history didn't do that well in it I got 2-1 which like you know is, is fine but there are a lot of people out there with better degrees and like more qualified to be in this industry and so I I, I think I kind of knew that I liked writing and I I'm quite nosy I, I sometimes felt thought I wanted to be like a police officer because I was like oh I'm quite interested and like quite you know when you like see things happening and you're a bit like oh what's going on over there I don't want to be a police <laughs> yeah. officer I'm a complete coward like that would not have worked for me but <laughs> <laughs> journalism does because you get to be nosy um so what kept me going I think is kind of that sense of I grab the more and more that I thought about writing and the more I did of it and I, I went and did an NCTJ which is the like journalism qualification and the more I the more I kind of lapped it up the more I thought actually this is massively for me this is definitely what I want to do and that was what kept me going because I thought actually it sparked that interest then and it was a you know I thought well even if even if I do end up failing or this doesn't go as well as maybe I hope 
at least I'll know then and, and I won't regret that because I hadn't found anything else that made me feel like, okay, I'm really excited about this. You know, like really, you really want to do well at it. I hadn't found anything else like that at all. And so it was just worth trying, even if it didn't work out. And I mean, so far it has, God, imagine, like <laughs> it's going really well. But, um, <laughs> but so far it's, you know, it is going well. So um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I just, I remember so vividly this, this conversation with this guy who I kind of half knew and he actually wanted to work in radio journalism and he you know did a few bits here and there and then he was and he just completely gave up and was like no no it's not for me and I remember him saying to him when he was drunk once like oh you know I can do it so so I wouldn't bother if I were you and that like really it actually you know it spurred me on so much more because I remember thinking oh you know I won't swear on your podcast but you know like <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but you know like what the hell no I'm gonna do this now and that you know those kind of comments spurred me on a bit as well and just feeling like I don't want to regret not having tried this yeah no I relate to that I'm really stubborn as well so if someone tells me I can't do something I will literally not leave it until I can do it (laughs) (laughs) okay so what would you say has been a highlight of your career so far oh a highlight when you when you were talking about the questions I kind of looked at this one I thought oh there's one that obviously really stands out so to go back to what I mentioned before about the cyber flashing campaign so for anyone who doesn't know cyber flashing is the unsolicited sending of sexual images happens a lot if you're a woman you're probably like oh I didn't know it had a name because that happens all the time but essentially I was on the tube one day in 2017 I got sent these horrible dick pics from someone on the carriage horrendous realized tried to speak to the police they were like this isn't you know this isn't a thing it's not an offense anyway kind of looked into it ended up reporting on it for about 18 months got all these stories from like 90 other women um you know I'm sure there's more out there but that was how many I could do in my day job by myself um you know and then took this to the house of parliament met MPs and a very long story short um the law commission which is the body in the UK that comes up with our new laws has recommended that cyber flashing now be added to the sexual offences act and in the recommendation it cited all my work and for someone who didn't think they they maybe could be a journalist because they hadn't started when they were 16 and weren't like editing the student paper or or whatever it is that other people do you know that's like that was such a moment for me so that obviously was a highlight in like the very obvious name and flashing light sense but you know what actually like day to day the thing that makes journalism like worth doing because it's often really crap like don't get me wrong it's not particularly glamorous and like like I just said to you like you work really long hours and and all that kind of stuff but it's when you write something and, pe- and people get in touch and say like this really spoke to me and this really like made me feel like I wasn't alone or this made me really feel like oh you know my problem my issues my feelings are being seen and are being talked about and like that's what it's about really isn't it that's what mm-hmm. good journalism does it like it you know it delves into those issues that like aren't discussed and it brings them to the surface and and makes them a priority whether that's for society to discuss or for uh, politicians and lawmakers to discuss that's Mm -hmm. what that's what it's all about is about making people feel seen and heard um and giving a voice to those people so like i think that's a more boring um but you know but but more (laughs) honest answer no completely there would have been absolutely no way we could have got through this interview without talking to you about like your brilliant campaign work and like you just said i think it's just such an incredible example of how important journalism can be so sorry I think you might have just said this but so where is that campaign at now so where the campaign is at now the law commission is still um looking into it you know rightly so when you make new laws like it's not something you just do like on the hoof like you don't do it really quickly like it's really important in terms of like making good laws yeah. that these things take time and and they're considered and, and they look at the evidence and all that stuff so at the moment the law commission is still considering exactly how they kind of say to the government we think you should do this and then the government decide whether or not they're going to do it basically and at the moment the law commission is like in the final stages of of shaping what they're 
going to say to the government, essentially. And, and then once they do that, then the government can make their decision about whether or not they're actually going to pass it as law. So at the moment, I'm kind of in dialogue with them about, you know, it kind of really gets down to like nitty gritty stuff about like, and philosophical questions about should this be included? Or does it, does, should it cover this or this and that? And so we're kind of in conversation about that now, um, which is really interesting. And I think it's also so it's so interesting to see behind the scenes of like how our law system works, you know, so that's where it is at the moment. So kind of hopefully this year at some point, they will make that public what they're, you know, what they're kind of recommending to the government, and then the government will either take it forward or they won't. So at the moment, it's just a bit of a waiting game, really, um, just keeping our fingers crossed and just hoping that as I say, you don't you don't want to create bad laws, because it's pointless for everyone, they'll never get you they're you know they're toothless the police can't use them and they're just like more red tape for everyone yeah. so that's not what we want but fingers crossed like you know lockdown and the yeah. pandemic won't delay it any longer than um than it needs to yeah it was um i was reading because you started working on this when you were at huff post is that right yeah that's yeah, right yeah i think before we came on here i was reading a couple of the articles you'd written and it, it just blew my mind where there was a couple where i think you spoke to um a woman who'd said she tried to report it and uh, i can't remember what there was the officer at the station or a police officer he didn't even know what airdrop was like she literally had to try and explain to this police officer what she was trying to report and I was like that blows my mind exactly and I mean you know obviously you know it's difficult isn't it because the police are chronically underfunded there are cuts left right and centre like decade of austerity like the police have got a lot on their plate and all that kind of stuff and in terms of like getting the proper training and you know like keeping them abreast of every you know new technological crime like I get it you know that's a tall order but I think you're right what that particular story of of this woman really threw up was just I think how much technology is outpacing the law and so it's and it's it's not just about like that one guy not knowing what airdrop was it's just about in general how much of our especially now how much of our lives we live online Mm. and if if the law doesn't protect us adequately online well then what's the point because you know like it's it's all well and good having if I went outside now <laughs> in Camden and you know a guy flashed me god forbid it's too cold and um, then you know then like that is protected but if it happened when I'm on my computer where I spend you know about 90% of my waking day then like it's that's not and so I think it just throws yeah. up really interesting questions about how as a society do we see things that happen online as as serious as things that happen in person and if we don't why not and should we and mm-hmm. You know, I, I know there's been like loads of coverage about bullying online and trolling online, and and the the impact of that on people, and you know how much that impacts people yeah. in like a really it's a real yeah. you know in a real way, in a real like life altering way, and and I think that was so again like so interesting talking to women about that and and how it makes them feel, and as I said earlier, making those things heard and because I think so often the narrative if you don't hear those stories can just be like established as like oh it can't be as bad then because you know it must be fine and and bringing those women forward and saying it's not fine and it, it is bad and you make it's such a good point about how quickly technology is advancing because even I remember we uh at work we had Microsoft Teams installed probably like January or February last year and nobody knew how to work it nobody knew what it was we all kind of went on it and went oh I don't really like this who's gonna fucking use this like we've got Skype we're just gonna use Skype and here we are like <laughs> fast forward um, I know living yeah. yeah and so yeah I can I can't even imagine how quickly other things are also advancing to the point where there's no like policies or etiquette or like things like that established I mean obviously this goes far beyond etiquette but yeah yeah but for better and for worse right technology obviously has yeah. like allowed us all to 
to to survive and make a living during this you know like it's allowing yeah. us to do these things but it but also is like really insidious and has a real dark side and I think you know throughout the rest of our lives we will be seeing the consequences of that and so this is just a really interesting kind of moment it will be a really interesting moment to see what the government makes of it and see how the government treats it as well but yes we will hold our breaths until that point um and and see how it all pans out really okay so for anyone listening if you've been a victim of cyber flashing how can you report it and what should you do so as obviously i've I've kind of said the british transport police if you report it to them so if this happens on public transport was which is where it mostly often Mm -hmm. happens although obviously probably not really now um you know far fewer people are on public transport then do report it to the british transport police because they do take it seriously you know for for all these things that we've discussed and um as obviously as sophie said there was that um, piece I wrote about the incident where the woman couldn't report it because he didn't understand the guy didn't understand but in general they they do say please do report it we want this data because you know without the data you can't mm-hmm. make a case that it's even a thing and it's this vicious cycle of you know well if women don't report yeah. it then there's no evidence it exists and if there's no evidence it exists then why will we bother doing anything about it you know so so do report it to them if it happens elsewhere you know obviously people get sent unsolicited images on social media all the time then obviously mm-hmm. like report it to the platform or whatever but at the moment beyond that the law that doesn't mean mandate anything further than that which is hopefully why we will have that change but for the time being i would say if it's on public transport or if you feel threatened you know because this has real real world uh, implications you know if you're on a, on a train and someone sends you something it's mm-hmm. it's physically threatening it's not just like threatening in a digital sense so so yes do if you're on public transport do report it to the british transport police you can text and there's a number i think it's 1601 but check that because it's been a while since i remember that if not then you know do try and report it to social media platforms and just spread awareness about it as well i think the more women know that this is something that's like it's completely unacceptable you shouldn't have tolerated just because you're a woman existing in a public space be that mm. online or offline you know um, the more we talk about it the more there's kind of we create that that, that cultural that cultural norm that it's not acceptable and, and that's how you change things right absolutely and i have just checked and it's 61016 if you want to report anything to the british transport police that is their text number it's like with anything isn't it like you say the more we talk about it the more other women and other people will then talk about it as well exactly because people don't feel as ostracized by it you hope and then the shame and the guilt and all that stuff that comes with it so yes and it probably happens a lot more than you'd ever think as well like if it happens you'd probably think like oh goodness am i just like the only one this has happened Mm -hmm. to and until you start that conversation like oh no it happened to me as well and then before you know it it's funny because it actually um it actually happened to me once but i didn't really think twice about it and i was i was on the tube coming out of the underground and someone tried to airdrop me something and i was like what is going on and i felt really like oh god this is my personal Mm. space and i just declined it and then thought didn't think twice yeah. about it again and it wasn't until our conversation today that i found out what it actually is oh god i'm so sorry to hear that was that was that in central london mm-hmm. okay yeah there's i mean there's like some real hot spots oxford circus was a real hot spot stockwell was a real hot spot for a while and this is the thing like and you know for some women hopefully like yourself it was something that happened and was like odd but was a bit like "Mm, okay won't think about that again and then you obviously get and then you get Mm -hmm. other women who god forbid have you know have perhaps endured other types of like abuse harassment in that kind of sphere and actually you know it's a real trigger for those things and this is why you kind of it all this behavior and all these horrible incidents of which Mm -hmm. you have also now been a victim you know all exist on a spectrum don't they and for some people perhaps like yourself perhaps like me it was anger inducing or a bit annoying but thankfully it didn't derail 
our you know emotional state for months and months or whatever and but that's not the case for everyone and, and I think you're right it's only by like talking about it that hopefully mm-hmm. for lots of women it will just be a love living in a patriarchy yeah. kind of thing but you know but then for like other women it's just not and yeah I think by talking about it that's how we you're right this yeah. is how we uncover like there's you know if there's two of us in this chat of three people who have had it happen to them like mm-hmm. clearly there are so many more people out mm-hmm. there who it has happened to yeah Ah, oh, well thanks for chatting with us about that Sophie that's I love chatting about this stuff and I wish I could chat about it all day yeah. but I mean the, the fact there's so much to talk about is a thing in itself isn't there but yeah. anyway <laughs> absolutely yeah okay so what would you say then has been one of the more challenging moments of your career and how did you overcome it the challenging moments again like the kind of exciting moments or the, the best highlights or whatever you have the moments that like immediately come into your mind don't you and then you have like the everyday doldrums of, of what I mean yeah. obviously the thing is with journalism as with any career I know everyone says oh you know do a career you'll love you love and you'll never work a day in your life like that's obviously bollocks like even if you love your job you still have to work mm-hmm. hard and you still have you know still bad managers bad projects admin or you know long days and and unrelenting like some days things just are a bit crap so that's kind of like every day you will have to work hard because it is a competitive industry but if you're good and you want it then there is space here for people so that's one thing but I mean like the more challenging moments for me is always just when I get a job when I go for a job interview and don't get it or like when you know it's a job that you really really want and you think you'd be really great at and someone else gets it or whatever like everyone has that and I think in those moments it's it's always about how you respond isn't it and and do you kind of think oh balls maybe this industry isn't for me and and you know no well never mind I'll I'll just pack my bags and leave or do you think no no I you know I've earned I've earned my right to be here and I've got stories that I need to tell and I've got voices that I need to have heard and you know all those kind of things and it is a really you know even as a woman that's a particular thing and you know obviously I'm like a white middle class woman so I have many advantages in that sense you know like the industry is still so white and it's so um, middle class and all those kind of things and I think those things are like you know understandably real real barriers to people you know not imagined that they are real barriers but um and so I think overcoming those things is like you know it's it's no easy feat but and I can't pretend to know about you know those kind of like um intersectional aspects of it but I think for me a lot of a lot of the really challenging parts have been about how you respond to that adversity and like how you know the, the, how you make those situations going forward um yeah it's all about that resilience isn't it and how you bounce back from something and how mm. you uh the age-old thing of like how you pick yourself back up and navigate back around those challenges because we've all been there and like you say as soon as I every time we ask this question my mind always goes to one moment in my career where I I I thought like my whole career was over and I was like oh my good god like I think this is it I was crying in the bathroom and everything but then I look back at it now and I'm like no do you know what actually as horrendous as that was I'm glad it happened in a way because I now I know I'm stronger because of it and I know that actually now when anything else happens I'm like okay well if I can get myself through that I can get myself through this and it's just kind of it's building up that like yeah just that resilience isn't it definitely and I think you're right like everyone has those like crying in the toilet moments (laughs) (laughs) yeah um or like now just crying at your kitchen table instead you don't have the luxury of a toilet um but you know but like it's you're right it's it's about like learning from it and endeavoring to do better and you know there is no one 
at the top of their field or you know at the top of the game who was like who's not made some mistakes along the way but it is about like right okay being honest about them and you know apologizing for them if necessary and then just picking up and endeavoring to continue to do your best and like working damn hard and making sure people know that you know you are the good person for the job you just you know we all have to learn learn sometime don't we um yeah yeah. i heard somebody say once and it it comes across a bit harsh at first but then when you think about it I'm like oh no actually it's really true and in in kind of in the sense of rejection and like job rejection and they said like if when if you get rejected in any sense like give yourself give yourself a small amount of time whether it be a day or a week or whatever to feel sorry for yourself to feel sad to to actually like process what's happened but then they said like the world just keeps moving and actually mm-hmm. the person who's rejected you in whatever sense probably isn't thinking about you so why are you thinking about them like get yourself back up keep moving keep rolling with the punches and if you keep going you will then find something else and it will open a new door for you definitely and I, th- I think as well you know what like you're right like so firstly I think mm-hmm. with I mean benefit of hindsight but like with every job I've ever been rejected from a few years down mm-hmm. the line I've been glad of it for whatever reason you know for whatever reason be it it wasn't the right job and you were telling yourself it was or they weren't the right company or something else came up in the meantime that was way better or whatever like with hindsight like I'm, I am always glad that those things mm-hmm. happened and also from having been on the hiring side of it um you know as well as in the interview seat is not always personal it's not always about you and or you know or you having not been good enough or I mean sometimes that might be the case but often as well the stuff going on internally and you know we were saying talking about being working in a, in companies rather than like being freelancers or whatever working for ourselves like within these huge companies with all their moving parts there's so much stuff going on and so many things you know it's not always about you so don't let it destroy your confidence or destroy your your path going forward yeah. because like it's just sometimes not that deep you know yeah, like it wasn't completely. necessarily yeah. um hard to take sometimes and harder said than done but it's very yeah, true it doesn't make it less hard to take but also like i think once you've had that morning but you're right have the morning period like you know let yourself feel sad for a bit but then afterwards like grow from it and don't let yourself be defeated Mm -hmm. by it because honestly I think particularly in journalism like if you are good and you're willing to work hard there's Mm -hmm. space for you you know like there's plenty of very amateur people in this industry and if you're really good (laughs) you 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 know you can be here as well like you deserve to be here as well um it's a bit like you ever like broken up with like a really shitty ex and at the time you're heartbroken and then a couple (laughs) of days later you're like god damn thank god for that it's kind of like that (laughs) yeah dodged a bullet thank god yeah exactly I mean it's true of everything isn't it you're like oh yeah Yeah. now I've got some space to you know my feeling it's not Mm -hmm. so personal that's why it hurts less because it becomes less personal because you can detach from it and I think trying to do that a bit more at the time is always is always useful although I mean it is it is obviously Mm. crap like especially in like a pandemic and you know when people need work and like you know all those things are like very real considerations but I think in if we're thinking in like the most idealistic sense like don't let yourself be beaten by you by you know some rejection and also as well like with pitching and freelancers pitching um I get so many emails in my inbox every single day and again like it's it's not personal if people can't reply or don't reply or don't accept your pictures or whatever like just keep going be dogged be determined like you will get there just like sometimes it's just not the right time Mm -hmm. Um, exactly 
Okay, so do you have any advice for anyone looking to get into journalism or looking to progress their career in the industry? Mm, good question. So getting into journalism. So as I say, I did not start out wanting, you know, coming in. I did not start out thinking I was going to come to journalism. I did an NCTJ, um, which I do think was a really good thing to do. But I don't know necessarily if, I don't know necessarily how much they're valued by the industry now. It's something I did and I'm glad I did. But, you know, I, I don't really know if that's something you have to do ditto like a master's everyone <laughs> um, everyone in journalism seems to have done a master's at city university it's apparently like it's a big thing um i didn't do that um just because i'm completely green to this what's an nctj nctj yes it is what i said so it's an oh quest uh, it's an <laughs> for the training of journalists so it's like it. a um <laughs> so it's like a it's like a postgraduate study for journalists but it's a real okay, um got it's, it. it's not like a master's at university it's more of a like a hands-on old school work kind of get trained in shorthand you get trained in like media law all that kind of stuff so I did that but I don't you know necessarily know if I would say that was essential ditto like this master's a city that everyone does but I again I don't really think it's essential so I think when you're starting out and looking to get into journalism a write, write for anyone who will have you, write everywhere, write, you know, you and I were talking about blogging earlier on, like, nobody might read it, but it's testament to the fact that you want to write, and you, you know, and you're developing your voice, and all that kind of stuff, which becomes invaluable later on, read, read is the next thing that I would say, like, there are so many journalists who, because of the pressures of their job, and we've all got no time, don't read enough, and I think that is how you develop your style, your voice, your ideas, that's how, you know, you learn what you think, and, you know, how you could write, and, and see what other people are uh, writing and how you know how they structure their arguments and all that kind of stuff like that's how you become better it's only by like reading other people's stuff and trying it yourself and so I would say write read maybe be slightly shameless about trying to make contacts like you know hustle a bit like get on social media make yourself visible I mean I don't I don't mean being like an annoying pain in the ass but like you know if you're writing and you're interested and you're interested in people's work like a DM to someone saying I really liked this work you did goes a long way and like I know it can seem really sycophantic and annoying sometimes and sometimes it is but like don't be afraid to make yourself visible Mm -hmm. and like be brave and and be bold because the industry is fast and there's you know there's lots of people in it and I think having that kind of like go get them attitude is people really respect it I think so obviously there's the usual like you can do an NCTJ you can do a master's get all your work experience all that kind of stuff but in terms of like actual stuff that you can do from today read more write more and like you know be a bit more shameless in like trying to get yourself out there and making those contacts and seeing where people are you know where people work and who their kind of like allies are and stuff and knowing all that like a lot of it annoyingly is still about kind of who you know and that doesn't mean it's like a closed circle but it does mean that like the allies and friendships within the industry are not irrelevant does that make sense yeah no completely it's like name recognition isn't it and I think kind of what you described there is like networking isn't it and I think people and I I realized this a couple weeks ago Twitter is probably now one of the easiest places to network with people because you can find people easy and like you say Mm -hmm. reply to people's tweets like just engage with people make them know that you're there and they might not follow you back straight away they might not click on your profile they might not do it but actually mm-hmm. if you if you're consistent with it and you you kind of get to know them on that level you never know they could be an interviewer in the future and they'll recognize your name right. and be like oh that's that person I from Twitter like she talks to me on Twitter yeah so when I got my job at HuffPost there was a reporter already working there called Amy Amy's great she's wonderful she we didn't know each other at all we weren't friends we I have no connections in journalism my parents were not journalists I don't know any journalists but I when I was working at 
at time and like just starting out amy and i followed each other on twitter and kind of chatted we're about the same age kind of 30 ish and um and she they had a job going and she out of the goodness of her heart god love her she messaged me and said oh i've seen a bit of your work and i think you might be really good at this how nice is that how nice is that and i have to like re-caveat we didn't know each other I don't have contacts she didn't she wasn't you know she didn't either but she would you know she was we just kind of like interacted a bit with each other and she was oh maybe you'd be good for this and then obviously I had to go through the whole interview process and all that kind of stuff but like just that little kind of like nudge in the right direction was invaluable like you know that exactly what you say like be polite to people that's the other thing be polite no one owes you anything be polite but just being you know just interacting with people and making yourself known and kind of putting yourself out there like I want to be a journalist and this Mm. is the kind of stuff I write about and the stuff I care about and I'm really polite and I take a real interest in other people's work it matters that kind of stuff you know it's still like an interpersonal kind of business and and making those connections so yeah Amy was an absolute top babe um still is top babe (laughs) um but you know maybe if I hadn't had Twitter that just wouldn't have worked Mm. out like that because she wouldn't have kind of said oh you should apply for this and then I wouldn't have applied you know like it it starts to snowball doesn't it like it starts that thing that that ball rolling and I normally say I mean you can't do it now but in non-pandemic times people like talking about themselves so sometimes (laughs) message someone and be like like I really appreciate your work I love what you do can I take you for coffee I'd love to Mm -hmm. just ask a few questions again they might not say no you might get 10 people who say no but one person might say Mm -hmm. yes and then the advice and then the connection you might get from that could be invaluable so I think you hit the nail on the head Sophie when you said about being bold I think that's really important yeah exactly and also you know what men are way more bold than women are like it's you know it can seem really like schmoozy and a bit shameless and like you don't have to be really don't have to be dick about it you can be very polite and as you say like obviously don't be copy and pasting your message to 300 people and clearly Mm -hmm. taking no interest in who they are or what they do because it's so transparent but if you really do look at a journalist and think god I love what you do and I, I really think you're great then like tell them you know everyone's got an ego that they like massaging a bit like I'm sure you know they're not gonna (laughs) you know be angry about that the other thing that you just reminded me of that is uh, mentorship programs mentorship programs are great some of them have like you have to like sign up to be a member or whatever and so there's a cost involved but the second source is one is a journalism specific one that is really great for pairing people who are kind of starting mm-hmm. out with people who are already in the industry I've done a bit of mentoring through that I've had mentors myself they're great again it's about contact building isn't it and having that sounding board of someone who like has a bit more experience than you invaluable so yeah read write and get on the mentoring schemes perfect okay if you had any advice for your younger self what would it be stop wearing your fringe like that would be my first one um um, what would my advice be it would be the contacts and you know your dad working for the times really helps but you not having that will not stop you getting this if you really really want it and you work really hard also 21 is not too late to want to start becoming a journalist but sounds ridiculous now <laughs> saying it but I remember so vividly leaving university and feeling like well that's that then I've screwed that it's too late now didn't mm. do a journalism degree um you know didn't run the student paper or all these other things you know like if you're leaving university now and you didn't do journalism yeah I didn't either and I don't think that much has changed in 10 years I still think if you're you know you're good like when I see the journalists like up and coming now god I cringe so much if they heard me say this but like you know people <laughs> I know who are like maybe 23 rather than at the other end of their 20s um you know they also didn't do journalism and they're still you know they're on twitter and they've got great 
ideas and they're, they're so smart and so you know so got such opinions they want to share and stuff and I think that's so great and so advice I'll give my younger self is like just just do it just try like you can always go back and do something else in 10 20 years if this doesn't quite work out or doesn't work out the way you hoped it might and maybe it still won't but for the moment you know it's, it's going all right and yeah keep those contacts be polite to everyone you meet don't be making enemies and stuff like that or having twitter beef like it's not just not worth your time like be smart be polite and like be good at your job and that will get you much further than i think anyone thinks it will yeah my boss always has this saying be careful who you shit on on the way up because you'll never know who you might need on the way down yep. and I think it's just such a great thing to keep at the back of your mind mm-hmm. because like I say, so you just true. never know you just never know it's so easy to be kind and polite to people as well so yeah definitely okay so this is the final question now um but if you could do any job in the world and it could literally be anything what would it be is this this is the chance to like get my pitch out for a job I actually <laughs> want <laughs> no it's if I could do any job in the world it would be to be a freelancer for starters because I think wouldn't it be nice to mm-hmm. not have to live Definitely. in central London near the near the office as we were just discussing <laughs> and you know not have to work other people's hours or whatever but I love feature writing like feature writing is you know is like completely what I would love to do I mean obviously like dream job be like you know maybe president of the world or something but in terms of actual like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um but in terms of like actually a job I would love would be just to write features like in a world where so many people have to do such difficult arduous torturous jobs like what an absolute dream to be able to make money Mm. from just writing like a colleague of mine and I often joke about you know when you're having a hard day and you get really like wound up and like yourself really wound up with something I think you know we're not saving people here this isn't life and death like it's just journalism so writing just features writing and you know continuing to like share voices and share stories and stuff like that is really like it's you know I know it sounds lame because it's kind of my job already but like that really (laughs) is the dream job like if you can make money by doing that then like what a blessing um yeah i love that you can tell how passionate you are about what you do so that's really lovely and like you say if you can make money doing something that you enjoy then there's not much better is there no exactly yeah and it doesn't mean you don't have to work hard because you you know you do and like it doesn't take away from that but also i think when i think about like the work my grandparents did or whatever and (laughs) like what a dream i get to sit on my laptop and just like postulate about my stupid thoughts so you know like amazing (laughs) um so amazing so yeah okay so just to summarize some of the things we've discussed in this interview so i've got a lot of notes here so you'll have to bear with me (laughs) i'll say good luck um but yeah so kind of just to summarize some of the key things we've discussed so alongside drawing on your incredible campaign work on cyber flashing i think there's some really some really kind of key learnings we spoke about so i think firstly just drawing on career choices so for those that are feeling uncertain about a particular career path if there is something that sparks your your interest just keep going with it Um, at least you can say you've tried it and won't regret it and then we spoke a little bit about dealing with mistakes and rejection throughout your career and how all of us kind of process and deal with them i think it's important to remember that everyone makes mistakes and you will bounce back from those challenges so just keep going and endeavor to do your best it's all part of learning and working through your own path so don't let rejection 
rejection, destroy your confidence or be defeated by it. And then just touching on kind of a career in journalism and your advice for anybody looking to explore a similar career path. So there's three things we've sort of covered here. So the first thing is to just write anywhere you can and start to develop your voice as this is what becomes invaluable in the future. The second thing is just to read as much as you can as well. So this helps to develop your style, your voice and your ideas. And then the final bit is about developing those contacts. So hustle a bit, make those contacts, make yourself visible. But remember to be polite and nice because that costs nothing. And we spoke a lot about just being brave and being bold. And then again, you mentioned about the mentorship programs that you found really beneficial. And there's some journalism specific programs as well that helps with contact building. Um, So yeah, three key things there that can help develop your career in journalism. And then final two points. And again, we touched on these a couple of times throughout the interview. And the first one is that it's never too late to figure out what your ideal career path is. So don't let that put you off. If there's something new or you're in a moment where you want to change career paths, just go for it. And then the final thing is about being polite and kind to those around you throughout your entire career because you don't know who you might need or who you might have to rely on or even what opportunities these contacts might bring. So hopefully that summarises that well. (laughs) Okay, good. Yes, that does summarise it. Just, I think on that last bit as well, just correcting myself as well. Like, obviously, you just be nice. She should be nice to everyone anyway, so you're not an asshole. But it also does help because you never know. Who, you know, just a caveat. Like, two-faced user. I know. I'm like, okay, Sophie. Just, yeah, I want to use people in the future. But yes, you know, mm-hmm. it helps if you if you want a non-selfish exactly. reason. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Um, so last thing I was just going to say, Sophie, was um, if anybody wants to follow you on Twitter or social or LinkedIn or wherever, where can they find you? Um, so Twitter is my platform of choice, please. Not LinkedIn. Drives me crazy. Um, so <laughs> noted. Twitter, noted. Twitter, and um, my handle is at S Sophie C for cat F for flower and then Gallagher and that's my handle on Twitter. So yeah, follow me there. And my DMs are open. I will respond. <laughs> to dms if you have questions or anything you know just be polite and also don't do like vague you know ask specific questions like people will help if you're you know if you really do have questions and whatever just bear in mind that people are busy so they'll go back to you thanks so much for your time thank Sophie. you so much yeah oh my god my like absolute pleasure so nice to speak to you guys that is it for this week thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to hit the subscribe button now so that you never miss a show if you do have any career-based questions quandaries or predicaments that you'd like us to answer you can drop us an email at hello at girlsinwork.com this podcast is made possible by listeners like you so thank you for your support see you next time on the girls in work podcast